Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Okay, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck nicks? Where the fuck are you? Seriously, where are you right now? Because I can tell you where I am. I'm in Dallas, Texas. I'm in a hotel overlooking a, a park that looks unfinished or something. I, I don't know what's going on here. I, I'm not, it's not that I'm not having a good time in Texas. I've been here before. I've been to, you know, I grew up next door in New Mexico. I've traveled to Texas. I've had some fairly horrendous times in Texas. There was, oh, let, let's go over them, shall we? Okay, how about the time I was in San Antonio working at the River Center Comedy Club at the, right there on the Riverwalk in San Antonio, and they put me up in a condo that really looked like it had not been cleaned in six years. There's nothing more disgusting than a, than a fake leather couch that has rips in it so the foam's coming out, and it's sticky. Yeah, that, that happened. And a rug, you know when rugs get to a point where they no longer look like it's possible to clean them and you have no idea what went on in that rug? And also bed sheets that are, you know, I can't even go there anymore. I'm done with that. All I know is I remembered looking out over the river walk in and of itself, a parade of the obese. Uh, I, I thought, how did this happen? Why am I here? What have I done, God? Was it that I didn't believe in you? Is this some sort of Jobian adventure you're putting me through? What is next? What could possibly be next? And on that particular night, what was next was uh, four people showed up at the show. One, uh, two of them were a couple, and they heckled. So that was that night. Now, this is different. Oh, look, there's a, there's a guy in a tie throwing a football to a fella uh, dressed in a football uniform in this small park in the middle of downtown Dallas. And it seems to be some sort of predatory situation here going. There seems to be several parking meters around the park. And then in, they have these little shaded areas in the park. And perched in the shaded areas seem to be traffic cops. So this is some sort of setup uh, for people who, who may be a minute or two over. This is, this is a, oh, look, there's a Doberman Pinscher with a woman who looks like she should own a Doberman Pinscher. That happens. I don't know what's going on, but uh, I've seen it before. And I just want to be clear, I'm staying at a hotel here in Dallas, Texas, severely landlocked, that has a nautical theme. I don't understand any of it. All I know is that wherever I'm staying, the area seems somewhat abandoned, and there seems to be an, just uh, an amazing amount of Texan fat around. I saw two of the fattest policemen I've ever seen in my life, and they were women. Not that that makes a difference. That's not a sexist statement. It's more of a statement about fat policemen. I mean, how can you keep a city safe if you can't run? Am I, am I wrong? And then someone told me that they have the highest murder rate in the, in the country right here in Dallas. Well, that's because you could probably shoot somebody within, you know, throwing distance of a cop and just, and just run slowly, maybe at a light jog and, uh, and get off scot-free. That actually would encourage murderers to challenge the police to catch them. I'm a little lost. I'm a little tired. I'm a little overwhelmed. I've been working very hard, and now I seem to be the guy that goes out on the road with a big duffel bag full of merch. That's right. I'm traveling with my T-shirts now to gigs, which I never did. I never brought CDs. I never brought T-shirts because I just didn't have the confidence to deal with it. I didn't have the confidence to be rejected uh, for my merchandise. But now it's become a necessity. I, am, I have become salesman. I've become traveling salesman. I am a sort of, 
you know, slightly funnier Willie Loman character now without the sons or the baggage or the lying or the secret affairs or the, you know, the whatever else that fucking play was supposed to mean. I, I watched it once. Dustin Hoffman was good. I liked uh, John Malkovich's Biff. But uh, and, you know, I, I appreciated the part where don't ever pick up a pen uh, or something like that. And then Dustin Hoffman does it to show that, you know, he's really talking shit. And it's just this American archetype, the salesman, the middle of the road guy, the guy that really doesn't have a life that pretends he has a life. You know, so his kids think he's something special. But secretly, he's just a sad loser who screws around on his wife and doesn't really sell that much. And his entire life has been a lie. And the whole mythology of the businessman as romantic figure in, in American literature and life is, is just deconstructed by Arthur Miller, a Jew who was lucky enough to marry Marilyn Monroe for a little while. Is that pretty much it? I, I'm not clear. I would like to say, though, in Austin uh, last night, we had a great show. Uh, you'll, you'll hear that soon. It will be uh, available. It was uh, the Live in Austin WTF, which was the first real sort of live WTF roadshow we did with regional comics. And all of them were uh, really great. Uh, but there was some sort of weird existential theme, some sort of heightened self-awareness that uh, I have found in my career does not necessarily lead to droves of people coming out, though the crowd was great. I really don't know what to expect uh, here in Dallas. I've got a, a bit of the creeps I got something I'm going to call from this point on the Texas creeps. I drove from um, Austin to Dallas uh, with uh, with uh, Ashley, the intern. It was very exciting. We uh, listened to music with a small device that you hook onto an iPod that then you know hijacks an FM station. Uh, but every time it's interesting because while we were doing it, we were listening to music, and every time that it would start to fade. Uh, uh, you know, you all of a sudden it'd break up, and all of a sudden you'd, you'd hear like, "Christ the Lord," or "Amen," or in this scripture, nothing but uh, Christian radio out in the middle of Texas, to the point where that landscape, given the, the number of rusted out cars and strange businesses that you drive by, and you have a moment where you look at them and go, "Who the fuck goes there? What what are they doing in that?" in that strange industrial area. How can you just manufacture round huts? Do people buy that? Look at that. That is a place that only manufactures things that you can hook targets up to shoot at. That there is a bleakness to the Texan landscape where you know, two hours into the three-hour trip, I was thinking about Jesus. I was thinking that Jesus may be a reasonable alternative than even driving through Texas, let alone living there. But again, I don't want to condescend. I don't want to say that Texas is, is uh, a bad place because we all know that they think it is the only place, the Texans, again, not condescending. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, being proven wrong tonight that Dallas is not creepy and that uh, there's a lot to be had here. There's, there's culture and history. And, and uh, oh, look at that. There's two ladies with that Doberman now. Again, that, I, that's not surprising to me. And there's no stereotype there. You can do with it what you want. But uh, it's not something unfamiliar to me. The two women with a large dog scenario. And I just mean that casually, not in any personal sense. It's not something I've experienced by walking into an apartment with somebody and saying, whoa, whoa, what's with the dog and who's that chick? I'm just saying, st sitting here at the window. At both times I've been in Texas and I've been sort of bleak and existentially challenged and, and in a window, I feel like some sort of lone assassin of some kind. And it seems that what I've done here is assassinated uh, the culture of Texas. And I don't want to do that. I do know that George W. Bush lives here. 
I wonder if he's in the phone book. I, maybe I should just drive by. That would be interesting. He can't be doing much. He can't, he's probably just sitting there. I picture George W. Bush when I picture him, like post-presidency. What's he doing? And I picture him asking himself the same question on a couch alone. Maybe watching a little television. Occasionally getting up, walking around the house. Uh, maybe chuckling at a picture of him with a uh, foreign dignitary from his time as president, and then sitting back down, never once thinking about the situation that he left this country in. Don't want to get political, but that's how I picture it. So this is Mark Marin reporting from Dallas. Uh, now I'd like us to uh, get into a conversation uh, that I had with uh, Sarah Silverman, the lovely and filthy Sarah Silverman, who I've known, it feels like, uh, since she was 15. But that's not true. Maybe that's just some fantasy of mine. I don't know, but I talked to her at her Beverly Hills apartment, and I, uh, I believe it was a fine conversation. So let's enjoy that now. Uh, this is Mark Marin coming to you from Texas. Uh, what do I have to plug? I don't have my book in front of me. I'm going to be at the Punchline in San Francisco in November. I'm going to be uh, in Cincinnati at Go Bananas also in, uh, in November. That's the first and second week of November. First week, Cincinnati. Second week, uh, Punchline. And uh, there's probably more to, to plug, but I haven't got anything on it right now. I'm going to lay down in my captain's bed here in the nautically themed um, hotel. I don't want to mention the name, even though I'll be gone for two days by the time this airs. I just don't want to slander such a lovely, oh, there's pineapples. There's pineapples on the comforter. Okie doke. Enjoy Sarah Silverman. Sarah Silverman's apartment is where we're at. I don't think we're going to swim. It's a little chilly. Uh, Am I wrong? Uh, Would you do it? I will swim. I think Tall John is coming over at four. He wants to swim. Who's Tall John? You don't know Tall John? How am I supposed to know Tall John? No, we li- you know what? I just assume because I've known you for so many years that you know everyone I know. Oh, how, I think I missed a oh, good... Shit, yeah, we- I, I missed a big section of your life. That yes. the part where Tall John came in. Yes, Tall John is. I would say he's my best friend or one of my top two to three best friends. Really? What does he do? He he wrote for my show. He's a writer. He what's writes this, for an animated this, show called Bob's Burgers. Now, what's his whole name? Uh, John Schrader. Maybe I met him. But he's six foot ten. Six foot ten. Yeah. He's so. a giant. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can't say maybe I met him. I would definitely remember meeting that guy. Yeah, he's, he always says he's, like, really shy and, and sweet, you know, I mean, but he, he, he used to always say, like, I know what it's like to be famous because when I walk into a room, people stare at me and it's awkward. <laughs> but it's true. He's one of those guys that when he walks into a room, people go, like, look how fucking tall that guy is. Well, 6'10 is freakish. Yeah. He's, he, it's a handicap. Yeah. Does he have giant feet, too? Does he walk normal? Is, I mean, He walks normal, but, um, you know, if we go to anywhere where you sit, like a play or a movie or right. an airplane. Mm-hmm. He's got to be on the aisle. I mm-hmm. mean, he, you know. He's also got to be in the back, too, where people are going to hate him. And he de- he never, like, any show he goes that's, like, standing room, like, yeah. he just goes to the way back because he's so polite, you know. like That's he, so sad. Yeah. And he also, he's also says, you know, like, tall people die early. They don't live long. Oh, that's so sad. I know, and then I was like, that's not true. And then he sent me, like, uh, links to... Statistics? Yeah. <laughs> of people dying because they're tall? Yeah. 
You know, someone uh, sent me a, a link to a picture that we did for New York Magazine. Oh, yeah. Do you know that picture? It was in, it was in my book. Do you want me to show you? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm so sorry. Am I, I in your book that. then? Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I had no uh, idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have a copy for me? Since mm-hmm. I'm pressed. I think so. There's probably like one or two left. Do you have a big box of them? I did. but I'm... Did it take a lot out of you? It did, and, and I'm really happy with it, and I'm happy with how it was reviewed, but I don't think it was like a... Se- I'm not for everyone, uh, no, as I, it turns out, yeah, and I, I've always I seemed to it. know that. Found that up. I find true, that about me as well. Luckily, they didn't know that when they asked me to write a book. Oh, they knew exactly who you were. There's no uh, mysteries about you know, who you I'm are. I'm lucky in that um, I've done commercials and made good money, and then the great part is they don't air because... What happens is they do some research and find out that I'm popular, and so they pay me to do a commercial or a bunch of commercials like right. eBay did. And then they do a little more research and find out that I'm hated more than loved. You know, like more people, <laughs> you're, you're famous. even more people hate me, and then they don't air it, and then it's great. You're infamous. Um, oh, yes, it is. Look at that. There you are. Oh, there's that picture. There it is. Isn't that funny? That's That's... I don't think that was in the magazine. That was like literally a, you know how like they'll just have Polaroids on the floor from test shots and Uh I took one, you know, I grabbed That's what it looks like. That's right, because that wasn't the one in the magazine. So look at this. This is like, is this book an honest book about your life? Yeah. It is? Because Mark Cohen's in it. Yep, there's Mark Cohen. There's the tampons that were on our wall in our early apartment. When you live with Mark Cohen. No, I lived with Beth Tapper. Oh, Who's the Who's the one uh, roommate that uh, that everyone liked? The Princess Leah obsessed roommate. Oh, Allison. Yeah. Is she in the book? Shit. I don't you think she is. You forgot to put her in there. I just don't think there's a picture of her. Oh, there's know. your dad. I met your dad. Yeah. I met I met him. There's a lot of pictures of my dad. Yeah, you know what's funny? There's is, a whole chapter of. Did his you ever notice about how much your dad looks like several of your boyfriends? Uh, yeah, that's been pointed out to me. Yeah. yeah. But you didn't write about that. In the book? <laughs> No, because that's, I, I don't think that's unique. I think that's, um, but really? he looks, Alec, my current and uh, final possibly boyfriend says that. Ooh, um, is, is, are we breaking news? Are you engaged? No, no, Come no, on. no, I'm not going to get right. married. Um, but he looks, he thinks that my dad looks like Sam Waterston, which I, I love the idea of that. Your dad looks a little like Sam Waterston. Your dad also looks like Mark Cohen and David Tell. That's, oh, when my dad was young, he yeah. looked just like, when Attell? David Tell was young. <laughs> Do you remember this roommate? Of course I remember her. She was stunning. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't have sex with either of your roommates or you. No, which is crazy. It's back ridiculous. Then, you were you rampaged. Well, I, I mean, I, I rampaged a little bit, but how did we not have sex? As have I did asked I, as did I. I know. I mean, can we go over that? How did I not make the list? Because I, I'm list. not into... Uh, um, I love you, but like for some, I'm not attracted, which most women are. No. Um, to you know the the um, kind of deep tortured thing. Oh, you're not. Well, I guess you could have called to tell that, but and I mean not that. I mean, I guess I am if you look at everyone I've ever dated. But can we go? Can we I just talk know. about it now? Because I want to like, do you believe that because you 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 slept with so many clowns <laughs> that it made you funnier? Um, Did you learn from all the comics you, you dated? Anything? Well, yeah, I think I, I learned from all the comics I was and people I was surrounded by, just like we all did. Uh, did you learn from all the waitresses you fucked? I didn't fuck that many waitresses. 
But I, I learned something from all of the uh, of women I have sex with. <laughs> I just want to go like because I still I'm hung up on this idea because I went I I married a comedian. All right, and right. and I'm no longer married to her. And I'm I'm not hung up on that. I don't want to talk about that. But somebody another comedian. Wait, but you just brought it up, right? I right. didn't bring it up. No, no, you're no. Saying you don't no, want to talk about I'm, it. <laughs> I'm building up to something. Okay, here. sorry. Like somebody had said to her, a comedian who I don't need to, uh, oh, I can mention names, Felicia Michaels, who was married oh, to I my. I remember her, yeah. Sure. She was married to my, uh, used to be married to my old manager. Yeah, Becky. Right. Uh, is she a photographer now or She's something? a photographer, yeah, yeah. but she's also starting to do some stand up. But she said to my wife uh, before we got married about me, about being a comic and dating another comic, she told my wife to fuck me until she got funny. Like there was some, what? yeah, she said, well, fuck them till you get, till you're funny. Fuck them till you get funny. Basically, she, her idea was that you, you just fuck the comedian until you get funny. Well, now, that's, I, that's ugly. It's ridiculous, That's right? a bummer. I, I don't know. Do you think that if she was sitting here, she would say, yeah, I said that? Or do you think that she had a different perspective on what she said? Well, I, think, I think it was sort of a lighthearted comment. But, but being that, you know, we're all. You know what's interesting about that? What? And I saw her, you know, in a very midpoint in her career, your ex-wife. But I, I, I know that she would open for you a lot. Yeah. And this is nothing against her, but boy, you know, she was such a little you. Like, you know how there's a bunch of little Attells out <laughs> yeah, there, yeah, yeah, yeah. and there's a bunch of little Mark Marins. There's a bunch. Of, yeah. But she was, yeah, definitely a little Mark Marin, and that, that's such a. You know, it's something maybe you can't help in the beginning when you're first figuring out who you are, but ugh, geez, yeah, well, you, you got to avoid that stuff. Yeah, well, I think know? she quit altogether. But you, you, had, you, know, you had relationships uh, you know, that were long going with Colin, Quinn, David Tell, Mark no, Cohen. Colin was like three months when I was 19, and we've been friends for the past 20 years since. Okay, and then Dave was real. <laughs> Dave was a long, that was like uh, five years on and off of, of a very tumultuous sea of and love. And you were young. Mm-hmm. And then Mark Cohen was for a couple of years. One year. And now, now here's the thing. And now, he's also in, like I've been friends with him for almost twenty years. Yeah, he's sweet. Are you still you and Atel still okay? We are okay now. See, I have There's a, a long time where he would not talk to me. I like a, I, way too many years where it was like really, but that's his thing. And and um, and it was hard it, it, for a long time. His was the name that if someone said it, it, it gave me that knot in my stomach. Sadness. You know? Yeah, but um, because I, I adore him, you know, but uh, things are, I mean, I don't see him and, you know, sure. but when I do, he gives me a hug. It's nice to see him. And, you know, we've had occasional emails back and forth. So I, it's nice. Yeah. I, I interviewed him. I, I, I talked to him for about an hour and 15 minutes. And I really think that might be the longest anyone has ever talked to him. He doesn't talk to, you know, he's not a big talker. I just wish he, I hope he finds happiness because he deserves it. Do you think he's looking for it? No. <laughs> No, well, that's that's all it takes is to look for it. Yeah, but here's my theory. <laughs> to want this, it. Here's my theory. And I'm going to tell it to you because I've had this theory a long time and I've said it out loud that I think that, you know, when you guys when you guys dated, when when you left or when you broke up or however it went down, that we were both terrible at being with, boyfriends and girlfriends. Okay, but he was heartbroken. And I believe that it defined. No, I think this is a benefit. I believe that 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 heartbreak in his life is what defined him as a comic. That after that, despite the fact that, you know, there was unhappiness, that that's where he really took off. Well, you're welcome, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) It's my theory. God forbid that's true. Oh, you don't think so? Well, I think... I don't think that's the deepest, deepest, deepest truth, but I think that he might see it that way and, you know, earnestly. 
but I think if he were to, um, that's he was always he was a great comic when I met him. Yeah, he was. Yeah, but um, he had didn't smoke and he barely drank. Right. But now I I, I hear he's um, <laughs> I hear he's sober. He's he's real, you know, and he certainly isn't any less funny for it. You no, know? no, he's 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 a great guy. And I wasn't yeah. trying to bring up something this weird. It's just this theory I had that you know that when he got. When, when the shit hit the fan emotionally, that, that really turned him into this kind of... Well, the, well, the well, what do we have here? A girl making a guy funny. Yeah, exactly. That's good, right? <laughs> yeah, but it's all bullshit. <laughs> it is. It's bullshit. All right. No, Who knows? It was a lifetime ago. I, I can't... Isn't that weird, though? Take it is a lifetime Take responsibility for the person I was. I remember... <laughs> but when you were 19, though, I remember the way that you told jokes and the way that your style... I mean, you've become a much better joke writer and you're much funnier, but you were still who you were. Don't you ever listen to yourself at that age and go, like, I'm pretty true to myself? I saw a really early, like, uh, evening at the improv or something, and I was... It, to me, it was like, oh, God, and and... But it, there were some things that I still have now that I was surprised, just mannerism-wise right. or whatever. But it right. was a little kind of like cutesy-wootsy thing, too. Yeah, you're not, you're not like that at all anymore. You're not cute at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I, you, I feel like, um, I mean, I am turning 40 this year, but, I mean, that's not possible because what 40-year-old would wear, you know, jeans with f- faux um, suspender those you aren't know, even real suspenders? Non-operational suspenders hanging. They don't go up over your thing? No, I guess they do go up over my thing. I'd like, I'd, I'd like the listeners to know that James, the assistant, is, is still here. <laughs> no. Why, you do see? you want him to leave? No, I'm fine with it. I just hey, want him- anything you have to say to me, you can say to James. That's what I was wondering. I was wondering, it's like, this was like, uh, is he there to go? Uh, Miss Silverman is not going to answer that question. James, uh, James is my assistant and it's crazy that I have an assistant but he was my assistant when I actually had a busy crazy life at Comedy Central paid for him to be my assistant and he had lots of things to do and we had long days and there was a lot of work to be done I'm in a uh, transitional period right now I'm not really sure what I'm doing next or what's coming next but I kept James because I don't want to lose him and uh, we just kind of sit and stare at each other all day and I think about maybe there's a some sort of drink I might want that um, I could easily get myself. But do, do you I, ever just sit there and like you know when you're staring quietly at James, just and just sit there wondering, like what am I going to have James do now? Yeah, sometimes I have to really like almost just make <laughs> things up for him to do, or sometimes I'll go. He'll say, uh, "Is there anything I can do for you?" Uh-huh. And I go, uh, "I don't know. Do you have friends you want to have a lunch with, or are you working on any kind of spec script you need to work on?" And he's probably done a. He's he's written. Two great spec scripts, and he's working on a screen right now. No, for spec. Which shows? Whatever's... I know, but TV. Oh, scripts? he did a Sarah Silverman program, and he did an American Dad, and uh, they were both great. He's got an agent very interested in him, and he's he's you know he's young. He's going to be like a big comedy writer, and you then are someday he'll James he'll write along. about his days with me and how much he learned. Right, right. James? I have learned a lot. Have you learned a lot from Sarah? <laughs> you have learned a lot. What like what, James? Oh no! <laughs> about me or about Sarah? What, are um, what have you learned from Sarah Silverman? Yeah. Well, both microphones. I've learned. I don't know. Just to continue working on what you're passionate about, and to work hard, and things do not come easily all the time, and um, surround yourself with positive people, and 
You know, all kind of bullshit. All the cliches, they're all true. Wow. That's a lot. I've taught him cl- I think cliches. You've you, you brainwashed him. <laughs> he, he just was looking at me like dead-eyed almost. He's sat here while I've done like, you know, when you do like a thousand radio interviews in a row and oh, I, I start getting like self-conscious, like there's a person who's hearing me repeat 18 things. That's right. Where they go like, okay, organically. You're, you're on with Jenny and the Sandman in Cincinnati, Ohio. <laughs> Like that shit. And then like you do your bit and then, and then you're like, okay, this is Washington, D.C. The host name is Jackie and the other guy is the beanhead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that like that? Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing now, Sarah? Are you worried? I don't know. Are you I'm freaking not, out? I'm kind of not worried. I, like, what happened with the show? It got canceled. That's it? Was there a fight? Was there a reason? How Did, no. they, did they tell you? Because a lot of times they don't tell you and they're like, oh, yeah, we canceled your show. Well, I mean, there were 14 months between the 10 season. episode seasons and they're just we had no chance, no momentum. They they really are. Um, and when I say retarded, this is not to be offensive to the mentally challenged, but literally what the word retarded means. Yeah. Um, the people who were running Comedy Central were, were that. Mm-hmm. And um I'm not saying I'm a perfect person, but uh, it just seems like there are obvious moves they could have done business-wise that could have helped. And the second, like, they literally, after the first episode aired and didn't do well in the ratings this last third season, um, they took off all the re- they took off all the reruns. So, I mean, my TiVo only TiVoed reruns because I was TiVoing something else when my show was on. And uh, all of a sudden, I'd go to watch it or show it to my beau... And uh, it would be like a stand-up special or Stephen Colbert or like they replaced the reruns right away when certainly they should realize that people watch the reruns first, you know, like like, people are watching it on all different airings. So they were like trying to just erase you from the network completely? I have no idea. They they told me that subsequently. They're like, well, we, we took off all the reruns, you know, real fast. And I was just like, oh, that's. That's a great move. Why would they do that? Because they didn't want to risk having people say, where's Sarah? When's she coming back? I mean, why the fuck would they take reruns off? That's like revisionism. Um, like Sarah Silverman showed it never, it never existed here. I have n- no idea. And I mean, it's, it's the kind of thing like, you know, when you have like, or in movies, there's, or, or in real life, a guy, you know, a kid who has a terrible, you know, not a good relationship with his father, a yeah. strained relationship with his father. And then somebody who works with his father says, oh, your dad is so proud of you. And the kid's like, what? You know, like, things would get back to me about them, like, talking about the show or bragging the show in meetings where I'm going like, are you kidding? Like, they, they, from what our, from our perspective, it, we were like such a, an unwanted stepchild on that show. It was bizarre that they, after they valued us it? in any way. No, all throughout. And even now they say that about your show? Like they, they like they had no control over what I don't know canceled? about now. But it was funny when they called to cancel. I mean, I knew we were canceled. It wasn't a surprise at all. And, you know, I, as people, I like them, individual people. But as sure. a faceless corporation, they're, they're garbage. <laughs> But the individual people um, that run that faceless corporation is garbage Gary are okay. And Ken called me, and I was just laughing because I mean it had been months, and I knew, I knew, you know. But how did and they I'm, say it? I mean, how did they say it? These are people. Oh, we're we've calling known to say you're not picked. I go okay, and they said, but we hope that you would consider, you know, working with us again in the future. And I said. I can't imagine that ever happening. Did you well, say that? Yeah, I was just laughing. Like, <laughs> why would I do that? Am I crazy? Yeah. Do I not learn from experience? That said, it was a 
fucking awesome experience. Yeah, it was a great show. To, people liked it. I got to make a show with all my favorite people and my closest friends, you know. So it was a blast, but the business side of it is just a bummer, you know. And the book is uh, Bedwetter. The Bedwetter. The Bedwetter. Were you a Bedwetter? Yeah. That's what it's really about? Yeah, I was a Bedwetter till I was like 16. Holy shit. Yeah. And that's like right after, right after you stopped peeing in your bed, you started doing comedy? Yes. Like literally the year you're like, I guess it's time to start comedy now. Yeah, the first that, time I did over. it, I was 17, yeah. I remember that. You lived in a building kind of like this on, at NYU. Oh, the, yeah, 300 Mercer. Jeff Ross lived in it. I just like when I drove up here, I'm like, when I'm driving here, because I've never been here before, I'm like, she lived in one of those groovy Hollywood kind of apartment buildings. And I drive up, I'm like, oh my God, it's like her NYU apartment. I know. It's, I, I, I moved here because it felt New York y, even though in New York I never had the opportunity to live in like a, a big fancy high rise like this. I lived in a five floor walk up. <laughs> right. But, um, but that, that was when you were a student, though, that place, right? No, that place, no. I, was, I only went to school one year. Oh. But I was college age and my friends were still at school, so I felt like I was still there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I remember that apartment. You kinda. went to BU with my sister Susie. Right. I did go to BU with your sister Susie. And then Susie became a rabbi. Mm-hmm. And then, and then your, other, your other sister, Laura, was, is a comedian, kind of. Com- yeah, she's an actress, comic actress. How does, it, how does fucking Susie a rabbi? It's not that different. I mean, I guess it is. Like, I don't Do you, even you know if she believes. Yeah, she was just visiting. I love her. She's amazing. It's weird because I don't think of her as super religious. I'm, of course, not have no religion, but she doesn't like talk about God or anything. You know, she's more into like the ritual of it all. Does she have like nine kids? She has five kids. That's fucking unbelievable. Yeah. But they're not orthodox. Or are they? No, no, they're not orthodox. They just they're, like having kids? They're, they're just, yeah. She's always... Even when she was little, I remember she was one of five kids. Really? And yeah, her, but we only have girls in our family, so she had three girls and adopted two boys. It's and the her, only way you can get boys. And her, her husband was a campus radical, as I recall. Yeah. Joseph, was that his name? Yosef. Yosef Abramowitz? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. He was like, uh, like he was like Noam Chomsky when I was in college. He was a guy like... Divest was, Now. Divest Now and like hunger strikes and stuff. I don't remember, but he was uh, notorious. He's total... Uh, Is he still like that? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. But he's doing this really cool project they're doing in Israel where, you know... Are uh, they in Israel? Yeah. Oh, my God. They're doing it up major. Like, are they, like, in a settlement kind of thing? They like, were on a kibbutz for, like, two and a half years, and now they're in Jerusalem. I still have never been to Israel. When are you going to go to Israel? I don't know. I That's just, a documentary, I want to go, but I just, like, I'd rather not. I'd rather watch Law and Order at home. I know. I went to Israel once. I don't think I'd ever go back. Really? Yeah. People say, oh, it's so great. It's so safe. It's so safe. They just want you to go. They, that's it's just like people of, who get married and have kids and go, you have to get married and right, have kids because yeah. they don't want to be alone in it. And killed by Palestinians. <laughs> well, Susie made fun of me because yeah. I was just like, I don't want to be blown up. I don't yeah. want to be in a cafe that explodes. And she's like, that's just all you hear. Right. And then she would like call me and go, I heard what happened at Virginia Tech. Are you okay? You oh, know? oh, really? Yeah. It is a good point. But at the same time, Israel's the size of Delaware. Of so Virginia it's not exactly. Tech. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, I, I get that. It, they want Jews... Jews who like to go to Israel and believe in the idea of Israel and returning to Israel like up for other Jews to go there. 
Yeah. And they think that we're going to go there and go, oh, my God, why did I wait so long? I'm moving here. It is kind of interesting to see how the kids are, are growing up there because, you know, they, they you know, Hebrew is like their first language and they're... Isn't that amazing? They're, you know, when super savvy and like you're, you can be so independent there. You yeah. know, it isn't like uh, lo- local news, t- you know, uh, terror everywhere. It's just like kids just like kind of go out like when we were kids. Right. And come and home play. later, you know, yeah. and... And uh, they're all really, the 15-year-old just, you know, has like... Oh, my God, she's got a 15-year-old? She has a 17-year-old and a 15-year-old. Those are the two oldest girls. And the 15-year-old just got kicked out of camp for dealing pot and um, got a tattoo of a heart on her boob. Really? Yeah. This is the rabbi's daughter. Isn't that always the story? It sure is. Are you going to have kids? Do you want to? Uh, Maybe adopt someday. But yeah. I want it to be like when it's all I want, you know. When, oh, I'm crazy just... about kids. I love them, but like I just I love my life. I love being totally free and whimsical, and I don't think you could do that necessarily with kids. Kid? No, because that's what kids usually do. But you know, I figure I'll wait until I'm like really young grandma age, like sixty. Yeah, and be like, oh, all I want now is to like raise a kid or two, and and then just do it. Yeah, I think you can do that now. You know, I don't think I'm going to have one. I think it's I I don't think it's going to. I don't think you. I think a lot of people have like a weird feeling of guilt over not wanting kids. And it's just it's it's a silly, weird social pressure. That's I don't that's the weird thing. I don't ever think like, oh, my God, I need them. Where are they? How come I don't have them? I fucked up my life every once in a while. I'll think when I see another kid, another one. As me being a kid, when I see a kid, and now as I'm older, and I don't feel threatened by them because of their need for attention, uh, I find that I in- interact with them, and it's it's fun, and I like it for a few minutes. But I usually leave the interaction not going. God, I need one of those. But yeah, so. I love kids so much. I love playing with them. I love spending time with them. But I'll tell you, after a good half hour, I'm ready to yeah. uh, do my own thing. <laughs> so I'm waiting for that. To not be the case anymore before might, I have a kid. I'm not going to do... That's not a hasty thing. I think a lot of people go into that and they're real hasty about it. They have kids because they're trying to keep a man or they're trying to fix a marriage or they're... Like for all the wrong reasons or they're, they turned 30 or they turned 39 or they... You know, it's just like... Or they just think they're supposed to. There's plenty of kids out there. Enough, you don't there's have enough. To, you don't, they, nobody needs you Stop to have kids. Stop having them. Yeah, there's enough. You have enough. a kid if, if, you, if there's, it's all you can do. We're and all you know filled up. It's crazy because people want to have their own kids. And yet those same people go, don't buy dogs from a breed or don't buy dogs from a pet store. Get them from the shelter. Well, I agree with that. But that you get kids from a shelter. Yeah. There's way more kids at the shelter than dogs. Sure. Yeah. And you can just go down to the shelter and walk around and pick one and bring it home in a little box. Yeah. Any color, any shape, <laughs> yeah. any kind of disability or non-disability. One with three limbs. Yeah. Some people get dogs with three limbs and they're very proud of it. Yeah. Or one eye. Yeah. One eye. Yeah. There's, there's kids like that that are humans. <laughs> you can get them. What's the next big plan? Are you do, like what are you are you doing a movie? Are you I talking just, to networks? Yeah, I'm I'm listening I, I'm first of all excited that like anyone is wants to do, you know, I didn't know if there was anyone if I'm still uh People you still know vital you. to yeah. others or whatever, but right. a commodity yeah exactly yeah. but um i guess you know um some people have shown interest and stuff but i just don't know what i want to do and i kind of don't want to do anything unless i 
in my heart, I know it's awesome. I'm not saying I'm afraid to take a risk, but I don't want to do anything I'm wishy-washy about. I just want to do it if I love it. In the meantime, I'm going to work on my stand-up. I just did a movie that I think is going to be really good, although probably no one will see it, but like a small, cool movie. And, uh, and, uh, and I don't. I have no idea what's going to be next. I don't know. I'm thinking about. I'm dreaming. I'm just yeah. sitting at home and dreaming, and not uh-huh. feeling shitty about not knowing what's next, but realizing instead. And get ready because yeah. I learned this in therapy, that we're just looking through a pinhole. And we don't know what the fuck's coming up next. So instead of going, oh my god, what if I never, you know, do have another show? What if I do? What if? What if? What if? You don't have to predict what's going to happen. What's going to happen will unfold. The future's going to happen whether you predict it or not. Uh-huh. In the meantime, why don't you sit there and realize that everything that's happened to you so far, you have not been able to predict. So just know that whatever's coming is not anything you're going to know right now. If you go, oh, there's nothing out there. There's no opportunities for me. That's how it's always been. You've all, you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We're looking through a pinhole and we don't know what what's right. out and, and there also you so gotta stay open yeah and stay gotta, open that's a good one too right you gotta stay open for for uh you gotta be available for the next good thing to happen yeah so i'm not just sitting here waiting but i'm sitting here and just kind of dreaming yeah and, in the meantime i can work on my act which i'm like totally starting over with you know i mean and you're not sitting here going i'm fucked no i mean the the lucky thing for me is i i i i feel like i have whatever's going to happen in my hands. I mean, that's always been that in used to be kind of my complaint. Like, you know, nobody's looking for me to be in something, but, um, I kind of like, uh, doing my own thing. And if, and I always have a a video camera on my couch to take to, if I want to, you know, that's the great thing about media right now, you know? Yeah. But do you think that now as you write your new act, are you going to do another one person show I don't know. You don't know? You know what? Smart comics. Yeah. Like, let's say our friend Louis C.K. say, "Uh, I'm taping a special in eight months, so I have to write a whole new act in eight months. Or or for him, three months. I don't know. Nothing. It's nothing to him. He's so prolific. And um, I'm just, I I work really slow. I'm not prolific. And um, I I have, I, I actually, when I have a timetable or a deadline, I make it, so I should probably do that. I've been a lot more disciplined, and the writing the book actually helped me with that a little it's bit. It's amazing, right? Writing a book that you have to... Deadlines are amazingly you're, helpful. It, you're, yeah, it becomes your job, you know what I mean? You and, get up it, and do it every day. And I did realize, like, gee, if I spent three hours a day working on my act, I would... <laughs> I would uh, have a lot more material a lot faster, but I'm a lazy fuck like all of us are. But um, I am starting to be a little more Do you work like that? Do you write jokes? No, but I'm starting to. You know, like, you know what I did is like, whenever I have like a show at Largo yeah. or show at UCB or something, yeah. I, uh, I'll go, all right, I'm going to take today and I'm going to go to some hotel lobby and sit with a legal pad or my laptop and because I'm around people, I'm going to have to look like I'm working and it forces me to get something done. And that night I'm always happy I did. Yeah. I find that like, you know, it was weird. I did the, I did an interview with Judd Apatow and he gave, he, he brought some of those uh, recordings of him interviewing comics when he was 16 years old. They're great. It's up now. You can listen to it. And he had one of Shanling 
and Shanling was talking about his process. You know, little 16-year-old Judd was asking Shanling about jo- writing jokes. And, and Shanling basically said that, you know, here's some joke I'm working on now. And he told a joke. And then he started talking about how a lot of times it could t- a joke could evolve over a year's period of time. And, it, and me as a grown-up, now I was like, that was so good to hear. Because I have jokes that I, I know that the setup is there and I know that the first beat is there. But they might not become full jokes for another year. That's my biggest laziness is I'll have a two-sentence joke or a one-line joke that could easily become a eight-minute chunk if I put fucking 10 minutes of work into it. Yeah. And I just have like an act, you know, I think like in my last act, I could have had, you know, four out, four right. acts worth right. of shit if I, if I spent any time on any of those, you know, two, three joke chunks... I could why, have, why don't you know we what I mean? That, I watch like, Tig Notaro. I love Tig. She does a joke. She attacks it from every possible angle. And a joke that could be one line turns into 12 minutes. It's just, it's inspiring, you know? Why don't we do that? I don't know why I'm bringing me into it. I, mean, um, I agree, not, but you know what? We can. But it's not laziness. That's something weird. It's something different. It's an obstacle. I, there's some, we, we like the thrill of, of getting up there and making it happen on stage or seeing if we can find something like the There's something about writing jokes out where it, it dies on the page for me sometimes. Does that mm. ever happen to you? Yeah, but I, I, I like writing jokes out, you know? Yeah. Personally. Like, I mean, I can't write it like a monologue. I mean, it, it becomes whatever it is on stage, but I definitely, I'll write like a page that becomes a line. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like it, before it gets boiled down, I'll write the long version and then I'll do the short version. Yeah. Which is like, the did you find when you're writing your book, it's like the opposite. Like when I started writing, everything was condensed because we're so used to boiling everything down yeah. to the nut and you have to kind of learn to un, unlearn that and, and I, flesh things out. Yeah, it was a little frightening writing a book because I, I was like intimidated. Like I don't think I'm a book writer. So I got very you know self-conscious about it. Right, you it. start writing the way you think writers write and you right. try to sound smart and then you go, well, who, who is this person? Yeah, Did you when they sent back your, your edited uh, galley with mm-hmm. like the marks on it, were you like, I'm a fucking retard? Like no. that, mine was so full of red marks. Like I didn't know basic grammar stuff. Like I felt like a moron. Um, well, Personally, grammar has been pummeled into my brain by my mother, so that wasn't that. But um, I, I would send it to my editor, and he'd send it back in the in the revision mode, and like we did it like that. So when I got the galley, it was, it wasn't. Yeah, this was like a, pro- a, a, a edited proof or something. I found mistakes, and maybe it's because I'm so anal, but I'm just. Uh, this is not going to be popular with the people at HarperCollins, but like, you know, when you write a book, you go, oh, book people, they're so hoity-toity, New yeah. York literati, you know, people with uh, walls of books and, and ladders, you right, know. Right, right, right. And uh, they're buffoons, just like in Hollywood. <laughs> they're fucking buffoons. People just moving product. Those days are over. The, the age of integrity and Norman Mailer and the New York literati, gone. Yeah. Well, and they it kind of lives in in McSweeney. some podcasts and some sure. uh, websites yeah. and some yeah McSweeney and stuff. There's yeah. Your mom was a teacher. No, she just was like uh, she was like Diane Chambers. You know, she's very. She says like when and where and. I remember one time Jimmy had uh, Kelsey Grammer on his show, and my mother's like, 
oh, I'd love to meet Kelsey Grammer. We both are so passionate about diction. And I'm like, he's not Fraser, Mom. Oh, my God. Well, How's she know, doing? People think she's doing great. She's in New Hampshire still? Yep. That same house? Mm-hmm. Wow. Two minutes from my dad and my stepmother. And she's doing okay, too? Who? Your stepmom? Yeah. They, she sends my dad over to my mom's house to get her t- his toenails clipped. Your mom clips your dad's toenails? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That's very interesting. It's sweet. My so mom is, you know, along? sickly. And she was in the hospital for like three weeks. And my stepmother visited her every day. So were they always friends? Uh, yes. No, but when I turned, when I, when I left the house, I was the last one to leave and something happened. And my dad actually said, blames it on this. Like yeah. they didn't like each other really. Yeah. And then, um, my dad said, I want to drive you to college when you go. And I said, well, mom wants to take me. Why don't you both take me? And he was like, no, you have to decide. And I go, you know, fuck you. You decide. I'm not going to decide between my mother and my father. You're being ridiculous. Like the first time I, and he said it like jolted him into reality. And like they, they've been friends and now they're like, they've become like, uh, they're like brother and sister. They're like army buddies. Huh. You know, like they were, went through hell together a lifetime ago and they just love each other so That's much. That's amazing to me. That your parents are, are friends. It's really sweet. And your your stepmom's friends with your mom. Oh, it's so sweet. That's, it's, it's, it's fucking great. You never hear those stories. My mom got really sick and like, and she's, she has this really rare disease. And this happened in like 93, 94. And my stepmother, who's terrified of needles and very like can't look at the sight of blood, is her blood type. And she... They, she had a blood, you know, had her blood trans, a blood transfusion for my mom and gave for my mom. Yeah. Oh my God. And that was before they were friends. Like, well, they were, they were friends and they weren't enemies, but they weren't, you know, it's interesting. And now they, they love each other. Oh my God. That's so touching. Yeah. And they, uh, now how, Oh, my mom is so sweet. When I was just home in Jan, in July, we all go home in July. Yeah. And we were all the kids. Uh, yeah. Susie with her kids and Laura. Yeah. Laura actually came a different time with her boyfriend like a couple weeks later. I and mean, they get scattered, but yeah. we all go home when Susie's in the States with the family. Right. And um, we were all at my mom's outside on her porch. Yeah. And uh, my mom's new neighbors were over and she was introducing them to my dad and my stepmother. And he goes, she said, this is Donald, my ex-husband. And this is Janice, his beautiful and incredibly patient wife. <laughs> Just so cute. <laughs> <laughs> and d- what happened to your, your mom's dude? He died two oh, years ago. Sorry. Yeah, it was I really sad. I, oh. I, I, for some reason, the, the trip I took with you to New Hampshire, I, I still, I still remember it. I remember oh, them, but yeah. I remember your mom. I remember him because he had a beard, mm-hmm. and he's really thin, and he didn't talk much. My mom, us, and my mom have never seen his face, and really? she just found an, an old high school picture of him, and we were like, "Oh my God, that's what his face looks like." What was his name? Jim. John. John, John O'Hara. That's so wild. That, He's just the kindest, goodest man that ever existed. Just, He's a sweet guy. Oh, my God. As a matter of fact, my niece, Aliza, at his memorial service said the cutest thing because she's like a total comic book girl. You yeah. Know? And she yeah. said, um, when I sat down to write something to say to Gra- about Grandpa Johnny, I felt like Lois Lane writing Why the World Needs Superman. Oh, my God. Isn't that the... Fucking okay. sweetest thing you've and ever then heard. And start crying. I know. And then this guy got up and started talking because it was yeah. in the paper, whatever right. local paper. Yeah. 
And uh, he's like, I, I've known John for 40 years and I see him, I used to see him every three weeks and blah, blah, blah. And people are going like, who the fuck is this guy? Nobody knows who this is. Yeah. It was his barber. <laughs> That's sweet. The guy who trimmed his beard and yeah. no one knew who he was. <laughs> like, who That's... the fuck is this guy? Was he having a, a gay affair? That's hilarious. Now, how do they all respond to, uh, how does your mom respond to your act? I know it's probably a hacky question, but well, you got to figure with all the Hitlers and rapies and everything. Does that she um, every once in a while it? she'll say, I, "Sarah, I just don't like it. I have a very visual mind." Or she she actually doesn't really like anything about her, which is hard because you know there's so much I'd love to say about my mom, and it's funny. I think maybe she's seen. Um, oh, I. You want to take it? No, no. Oh. Um, so now that she's seen that my dad is like a celebrity now from my book and my act and my TV appearances, like I'm hoping that she'll soften to the thought of me talking about her because, you know, they're characters. Do you it's talk about them? To... Are you really honest about them in your act? Yeah. I like to be, but I don't want to, you know, Hurt I mean, I don't want to upset her or anything. But even though the stuff I want to say about her is is stuff that people would find adorable you know and great she doesn't like the feeling of like maybe she's being made fun of or something you know and i don't want her to feel bad i want her to love it you know my dad eats it up up. even if you're talking badly he doesn't care he he's not i don't think he could repeat a single joke of mine to anyone because when he comes to see me he's not watching me he's looking and he's marveling at the fact that strangers are laughing at his daughter like he he'll never get over that (laughs) The first time he came to see me at Boston yeah. Comedy Club, by the time I got on, it was like 1230 in the morning. Right. And uh, he was sound asleep and blocking the aisle because he was like hunched over <laughs> to his side. And remember Jocelyn? And yeah. she is like, you have to wake up your father. He's blocking the aisle. And meanwhile, I'm like, <laughs> I'm on stage and looking at my dad who's never seen me do stand up and he is sound so, asleep. Oh, that's so sweet. But now he just likes the attention. And he likes the attention you get. Yeah, he loves it all. He just yeah. like he, he he's such a he's so easy. Like he'll come visit and yeah. we'll just like kind of trade off taking, you know, hanging out with him and just like taking him on errands with us and he'll be like, "What a great day. Oh my god, I'm such a lucky daddy." <laughs> That's so nice. My dad's a, he he likes that I do what I do, but he, mm. I think he's a, he now wants to sell my CDs in his pain management clinic. I don't think that's a in his, oh, he has a pain management clinic? Yeah, he's like a strip mall pain management clinic. Like a now. holistic, like... Well, I don't know what they, you know, he's trying to get into preventative medicine. Like, you know, he's into vitamins now and he's into physical therapy. And he's really sort of like a, a proponent of, of uh, preventative medicine. And, he, and he's been working in this pain clinic operation. And now he's like, uh, he's like, I just think we should have your book and your three CDs, you know, next to the vitamins in the pain management clinic. That's uh, that's the next big step. Why for not? Me. Yeah, it makes sense, I guess. Now that I say it out loud, comedy records at a pain management clinic, it makes pretty good sense. <laughs> He's always trying to get me to be like, "Why don't no, you?" Because laughing's the, uh, the best medicine. That's what I hear. So you've never offended any members of your family? That's nice. Um, no, I mean I, there there was. It's so funny now because it's such a like a nothing joke comparatively. They used to have a joke about a million years ago. Yeah. But going to the dent or no, blowing a dentist. Yeah. And uh, it's so hard because they're always asking questions when it, their penis is in, and you're like, So are you going to school? <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. 
And she was like, I have a very visual mind. Please, I don't do that. And I, I don't know why, but I dropped it because she didn't like it. And Would you ever do something on stage that's more like the book? Uh, In the sense of something that was really sort of uh, specifically autobiographical? Or I've, you know, on the book tour, I did some readings, but I, I tended to do... Um, stuff that got laughs so like a lot of the chapters aren't like that but so instead I did the thing I didn't write at all but I just transcribed a bunch of my dad's voicemail messages so I read them like with his accent and that got it gets a lot of laughs because it's it's they're nuts it's it's amazing like sometimes I read my mom's emails on stage and they're just great it's just amazing is that fair I guess it's fair game we didn't write it but they created us so we're entitled yeah and it's funny yeah, but I mean, it's hard to perform live and do something that you can't measure with laughs, you know? I know. Yeah, because it's hard to justify it to yourself other yeah. than failure. Right? Remember when we had a band? Did we? We didn't have a name, but it was like me, you, Todd, and Louie. Oh, yeah. For like a day? Yeah. We had, <laughs> it was for one day, and we were like, yeah, we have a band. Yeah. How's Todd? Have you talked to Todd? Yeah, he's great. He just did a movie with uh, where all his scenes, scenes were with Sigourney Weaver. Oh, really? Yeah, and he's like a vampire. He's got like full prosthetic face and everything, but really? he completely looks like he sent me a picture of it. Of t- oh my god, I got I'm gonna have to interview him in New York. Yeah, he's doing great. You know, he he got a new place for the. I mean, we used to Get live in the same building, here. and he lived in that building for like 19. He's years. He's not on Second Avenue anymore. No. no, I moved around the corner. All right, so I guess we're we're about good, Sarah. All right. Do you feel good about it? I do. I want to show you this Todd Berry. Uh, oh, oh look at this. Oh my God! I know it's like a face over his face. It's all makeup and prosthetics, but you it looks totally like Todd at the same time. <laughs> it's like Todd's lower face. <gasps> oh. Oh my God! So cute. And that's his real eyes and everything. What's the movie? Yeah. And Sigourney Weaver's. Uh, I, don't, don't I can't remember. All I know is the scenes are with Sigourney Weaver. Well, we are all looking forward to everything you do from here on out. Thank you. And everything will happen in a good way. Thank you. You and too. You, you look, every time I see you, you look better and healthier and younger and oh, happier. Oh, that's going to be Tall John. Let's record your reaction to his six foot ten-ness. Okay. It's going to be anticlimactic because you're probably like. I've never, I don't know what six foot ten looks like. Six foot ten looks like this. Oh my! Oh, I know John. Yeah. How's it going, man? Hi, Mark. It's good to see you. No, no, we're just finishing up. How are you? I'm great, thank you. Is this? It's on. Yeah. Hi, hi. Yeah. It's Tall John. He, I, I've met John many times. I told you. But I, I guess I didn't really think about six foot ten. Like I, you know, I was anticipating, like, um, like someone who had to, like, the ceiling. Would have been, you know you would have to be like this in the ceiling. Look, look. Well, these are seven foot doorways. Right, like I, I like I literally pictured like the guy from the Guinness Book of World Records book. I but told no, him that you said like you know what it's like to be famous because you're like when but I you're, walk into a room everybody looks at me. But you're proportionately. <laughs> you're proportionately. You're well proportioned and an attract. Yes, and yeah, yeah, he's well proportioned. He's and not a very like, attractive man, not freakish in any way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Successful, attractive, strong. Yeah. And good. He's a good man. Are we doing like a, are we, are we soliciting? I did, do you need a If a you woman? are a woman with any kind of tattoos, uh, with uh, maybe a black dyed hair with a red lip, or yeah. a blonde thing, so any kind of suicide looking girl. That's, that's who he is. Who is a woman of substance. 
Hmm. Who's not defined but her by her tattoos, but hell, she's got a sleeve. So that's what you're looking for. That sounds uh, good. Do you know, I was thinking of you because Alec and I saw they have Suicide Girls, the show on Showtime with like nudity and everything. And I was like, oh boy, Tal John might like this show. You're attracted to the Suicide Girl look? I do like that. Yeah. yeah. Do you like real Suicide Girl looks? Like with girls with cutting scars or any of that? No, just the. I mean, don't rule it out, but. <laughs> I'm not a deal breaker. <laughs> All right. Thanks, you guys. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Mark. All right, that's it. I hope you enjoyed that. This is Mark Marin. This has been WTF. I'm so glad you enjoy the show. Please go to WTFPod.com. Get on the mailing list. Donate a little money because uh, I want to keep doing this for free for you. And uh, Based on your donations and generosity, go to WTFPodshop.com and get some of the new premium episodes. The one with the tell is spectacular. That's the latest one. And go to PunchlineMagazine.com and check out breaking comedy news if there is such a thing and what else do i have to say ah yes justcoffee.coop those are my plugs for today uh, again i'm leaving texas tomorrow so i should be okay take care good night and good luck i think someone's done that before right someone's done that before